What's up, beautiful people? My name is Dylan Granton, and you're tuning into the Basically Bias Podcast. What's up, beautiful people? My name is Dylan Granton, and you're tuning into the Basically Bias Podcast. Thank you for stopping by. I'm super excited to be launching my first official episode of Basically Bias the Race Podcast. Today, we will talk about a very important, amazing topic, and I'm super Super excited for you guys to hear what I have to say today. We have an amazing guest, Mr. Ashton Millette, and I'll allow him to introduce himself. Take it away, Ashton. Take it away. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Uh, so a lot like what my awesome, phenomenal host said, uh, my name is Ashton Millette. Um, I'm currently an organizer, community organizer, with an organization called TMO, the Metropolitan Organization. Uh, And I'm also an organizer with another organization called One Houston, uh, which organizes around educational issues. Um, And then I also sit on as an ambassador uh, for Switch Recreational and arts. Um, so those are like a couple of things that I do here around Houston. I spent the last two years uh, being a teacher and organizing as well for like the last year. And I just got on uh, as my role as a community organizer with the Metropolitan Organization. Uh, so politics is like, is, is something that's really strong for me. Uh, it's something that I really, really like and really appreciate. And I think that's the way to like really get power to our communities. Um, so like, that's the things that I focus on in my day-to-day life. Um, so like, that's a little bit about me and what I do. And hopefully uh, we can like explore a little bit more of that as we go throughout this conversation. Yeah, so um, today's podcast is a very, like I said, a very important, um, very, very real topic and something that is holds a close pace in a lot of people's hearts. Um, and so the reason why I feel that way is because today we are going to be discussing the topic of slavery. Um, and so I feel that the only way to kind of move forward is to bring it up. And so we have to talk in these conversations in order to move on and, you know, better ourselves from this horrible era of time. Um, but yeah, so Ashton, um, I guess my first question to you is just kind of how are you doing today, Um, what you've been up to, and um, why are you excited to talk about this conversation? Man, how am I doing today? Uh, If I can keep it real, uh, I'm pretty hungry. I I haven't eaten lunch yet today. Um, I got to do better with that. I often miss out on lunch, so I got to do better. Uh, A little bit tired. Uh, you know, doing doing the type of work that I do is, you know, a lot of late nights, early mornings, and I cut the grass this morning, so I'm still kind of feeling that a little bit. Um, but as well, like, I'm super hopeful, super optimistic, because uh, I, I, I've had the opportunity to have a lot of conversations with a lot of different people around both Houston and uh, my hometown of Plaza, Louisiana. Uh, and, you know, people are pretty fed up right now. People know and recognize a lot of the issues that's happening in, in not only like America in the world, but also like in our local communities where it's really impacting people and people are pretty fed up and, you know, are willing to get out and do the work to, you know, make changes happen. So that's what keeps me uh, going and keeps me excited. Um, and I'm super excited to talk about this particular topic on slavery, man, because uh, we like exactly like what you said, then like the best way to like get through it or get past it or, uh, 
you know, resolve it is to really like talk about it and bring it up. So uh, I'm excited to, to, to have this conversation with a young bull like yourself, bro, because as you already know, you know, you are the future. You're going to be like a really dope leader one day, not that you aren't right now. Um, and I hope we can like both learn from each other throughout this conversation, man. That's, so that's that's why I'm pretty excited, bro. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm excited as well and super optimistic that we can, you know, move forward and create a better society for our Black young boys and girls. Um, yeah, so I guess kind of the first question is, you know, a lot of slavery still impacts a lot of Black people to this day, um, being that it was just so big and, you know, very, very, it stuck with a lot of people's hearts. So my question to you is how is slavery still impacting you and still impacting black people as a whole? Wow. Yeah, man. You know, that's a that's a really good question because I feel like a lot of people often forget that, you know, slavery honestly was not that long ago. Uh, like slavery ended in 1865-ish, you know. Uh, given, depending on where you were in America at the time. Uh, so, you know, slavery, slavery really wasn't that long ago. And then like some of the like major after effects of slavery, like Jim Crow, uh, you know, sh the sharecropping system, uh, you know, all of the, the civil rights era, like all of those things that happened like after slavery are even closer to where we are today. So I, like, I genuinely feel like, you know, slavery is still impacting us today. Uh, especially when you think about like our economic systems, especially when you think about the way uh, like the powers that be, who are predominantly, which is predominantly ran by, you know, rich white men who are the same people who were our demographic that was running like, you know, slave uh, systems throughout the South. Uh, so, you know, we still have like a pretty long way to go and, you know, people are feeling it. And I think with COVID-19 happening right now, you can definitely see, uh, you know, how slavery and the after effects of slavery is like, you know, continuing to impact our, our, our communities and our people. Cause like, you, even if you just think about people's jobs, right? Like a lot of people were working these like low wage jobs and jobs that didn't really give them salaries. So then once the economy stopped, you know, they weren't able to go to work anymore. And the predominant people, the group of people that works those low wage low paying hourly jobs are, you know, us, like our, our people, black people, people of color in general as well. Um, so, you know, I like to dive into that a little bit more, bro, but I, de I, I definitely feel like we're getting impacted by slavery, even to this day. You look at our school systems, um, like it's, it's all around us. Our criminal justice system is literally all around us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just the fact that, you know, people are still being treated um, not far from what slavery was. Um, I mean, if you think about it, you know, protesters and people are being beat just like what happened in slavery. And we have to move forward for this. And that's why exactly why we have to bring up these conversations and talk about it. A lot of people turn a blind eye to the fact that it's still, you know, it was a huge thing. And like you said, it was not a long time ago. Um, and it's still affecting us. Whew. If I, I can add to it too, bro, uh, 
like just to kind of show you how close slavery is. So I have a, one of my really, really, really good friends back home in Louisiana. Uh, his grandmother actually grew up on the same plantation where like her parents grew up where their parents were actually like slaves on that same plantation, right? So that's like two or, that's only like two or three generations. So like you can, you can think about like your, my, like your great, great grandmother or your great, great, great grandmother, not too far away. Like they were on this plantation and slaves and then that plantation is like not too far away from where you are now. So it's literally, it's literally like reminders all the time. And it's definitely something that, you know, is reflected in the way that you know we go about our lives and the struggle that we face so it's crazy man especially especially in the south especially in the south because there is still a lot of scars a lot of wounds that have been you know left to left unhealed so a lot of things that we got to get through work through absolutely um and then if you just think about it you know right after slavery even though you know you know being unpaid for these things and then being you know treated horribly you know people were still working but for very 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 little for years and years and years after slavery um being paid like a dollar a day for you know tremendous amounts of work um it was still going on but yeah it was still really really bad have you ever heard of the, the sharecropping system after that happened that popped up after slavery no i didn't yeah bro so so i'll I'll try to keep it as short as possible so basically with the sharecropping system you know all of the slaves were quote unquote free right technically they were not slaves but they didn't really have economic freedom right so like once all of these slaves were set free all of these human beings were set free uh it was like okay what now right they were supposed to give uh 40 acres and a mule that didn't happen so what ended up happening is uh the actual like slave owners the owners that owned the plantations they ended up like giving fam- like families um slave families like parts of their land so like leasing the land that they you know were working on as slaves those families still worked that same ground and what the plantation owner would do as a part of their lease is pretty much let the slave or let the sharecroppers grow their crops and then the uh the plantation owner owner the person that the, the sharecroppers are leasing it from would take pretty much all of the profits all of the money that came from the the land that they just worked like literally take pretty much all of it and if they didn't give it then they would get kicked off and off the land and still have like you know nowhere to be no kind of way to make money. Uh, and then you still also had like really, really bad actors in, in the South at that time where if, if a black person kind of pretty much got out of the line, they could be killed or murdered. So, and that's, that's kind of like the same situation that my, gra- that my best friends, uh, like grandparents, you know, family was on. They, they were sharecroppers on that plantation. So like these are, it hits home, right? It hits home because you can literally trace it to your family. So yeah, man. Yeah. Absolutely, 100% agree with you. Um, It's still just a crazy system afterwards. So, you know, you can't just turn a blind eye to that. Um, So my next question to you is, you know, during the era of slavery, a lot of slaves were afraid of running away. Uh, 
you know, when it comes to Harriet Tubman, a lot of, you know, she would tell the slaves to run and they would be scared to run um, or rebel against the masters. Um, and this is basically considered mental enslavement. To this day, black people are still mentally enslaved and, you know, scared of coming out of line, you know. You know, when you imagine, you know, going past cops, thinking to this day, you have to, you know, you're scared. Um, a lot of people are maybe not 100% scared, but, you know, have to make sure I'm doing everything absolutely right because I could just literally be killed. Um, how can we solve mental enslavement in the Black community and allow people to feel safer in a country that they built for free? Man, wow, that question. That question is like like super powerful question, bro. Cause uh, I feel like that's something that we all, as as black people, for sure, have to work through. Uh, because we do have a lot of like that generational trauma that comes from our you know our ancestors being enslaved uh, into like our like grandparents, you know, fighting through the civil rights era and like seeing like you can if you watch some of these videos, you can literally like see yourself in there so like you know you're right bro like it's very scary and then even something like po uh, police uh, brutality and violence like that makes you i know i know i still get like super scared and nervous like if i'm driving on the street and i see a cop kind of like come out from like a side street or if i look at my rearview mirror and i see a cop like i'll <laughs> i'll like look up about 10 or 12 times in that mirror just to make sure you know the light's not on and you know all of that good stuff so um like that's 100% true, bro. And and to answer your question as to like, how, what's my take on how we can get out of that mental enslavement, bro, I, I wouldn't even front with you. I don't think I got the magic wand or the key, the golden key to like solve that problem. And I think like in large part, uh, like as a society, we need to give people the resources to work through that on their, like to work through that, like uh, through that trauma, maybe through therapists or, you know, funding in our schools to, to think through these things. Uh, but I think a lot of, a lot of this too, though, is like person by person as well. Like everybody kind of like experiences life a different way. So I don't think there would ever be a one size fits all for this thing, but that doesn't mean like we can't try. Uh, so kind of like I said before, like, I think with that, the first thing I think about when we think about how do we end mental enslavement is really addressing like our mental health, right? Like a lot of black people go through a lot of things, man. A whole lot of things, uh, you know, whether you made it in life or not, or, you know, quote unquote, didn't make it. If you got money or you don't got money, like you, like we're still going through these things. And I, I especially think about, you know, our people that are going, are living in poverty or our people that have had like their dads taken away from them or their dads are not in their lives for whatever reason um our parents in general aren't in their lives like there's a lot of issues that we all have to work through and i think like mental health is super important um and you know we got to have the resources to work through some of that trauma that we face in our lives uh and then we also have to like continue to build each other up so that we all can individually have like that courage to like really address these issues and think through these things and you know a support system is super important when, when we think about this uh, but yeah, bro. So that that's kind of like my take on it, man. It's it's a that's a tough question. I'm not even gonna lie to you. That is a tough question. But honestly, bro, I think if 
like I said, if we all just like build a community and make sure we support each other and make sure that, you know, our, our, the powers that be can reconcile their wrongs uh, by giving us the resources to actually like work through these things. I, I think that would be, uh, I guess the key, I guess that would be the key. Um, but yeah, bro, thank you for that question. That's, that's, that's deep, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's, that's just a really hard question in general. It's like saying, how can you end racism? Like it's, it's really, really hard. Um, just, you know, as a whole, because, you know, you can't really end something as a whole necessarily. A lot of people just, it's the systems and the systems of oppression. But I think what you said at the end, building a sense of community, allowing people to feel safer around people who are typically deemed as, you know, scary to black people um, or, you know, threatening. Um, maybe, you know, build, like I said, building a sense of community, better funding for our schools. Um, a lot of people who grow up in an environment that's not very great, especially at home and at school. Um, and then just feeling safer, like you said, sense of community and allowing people to feel welcome and safe in their own country. Yeah, man. No, and, and I, I, I think that is all spot on. And, you know, one thing that I'm thinking about too is like what you said in the very beginning of the show in our conversation is, you know, people need to like, we need to talk about, we need to talk about slavery, right? And we can't continue to, to just have this conversation with just black folks. We need to also like have this conversation with white folks and white folks need to have this conversation amongst themselves, which is why allies and co-conspirators are like super important in, in like the, the work that we're trying to do. Because man, I feel like we're still arguing some of the like, li some little point like points that should be, we should all be on the same page with this. Like we should all be of the understanding that yo, racism and bias is something that is very real and something that is entrenched in our society uh, so like let's have a conversation that starts there right like we can have different opinions as to like how to solve this problem right like what resources and mechanisms we should use to solve this problem but there's still a lot of people that don't even believe like racism is real or racism is like a reason why uh most of the these billionaires and millionaires in this capitalistic society have like gotten a leg up bro so Nah, man, and and I think I I am super hopeful because I think like with generations uh like my generation and your generation for sure like you know these conversations are being had so uh I'm hopeful and optimistic in that sense, bro. But I just really hope that we continue to have the conversation and keep it going, and it doesn't just be a trend or a fad. Absolutely, um, and just when it comes to like, you know mental enslavement and then comes to racism in order to come in order to build these communities another thing that's you know mentally enslaving black people is colorism you know a lot what's dividing our black community a lot is colorism um and so but then that also goes back to slavery um where it kind of all originated from where you know lighter people working in the house and having easier work 
than black people. I mean, we were still treated all badly, but still like, you know, dividing us. So do you have families dividing against families? Um, because this child came out a bit lighter than the other child, this child gets to work at a better place. And so it brings division into our families, it brings division, division into our communities, and at the end of the day, like the world. And so let's not make it, you know, going against each other. Let's build a sense of community as Black people to be strong and come together and to end um, this racist society together. And that's the only way we can really end it if we, I mean, necessarily not in racism, but help. Yeah, no, that's real, that's real. The division, I think the divisions that we have amongst our, ourselves uh, is like, it's really astounding, but uh, it's, it's crazy because, you know, we still often have, like my mom used to say, like crabs in a barrel, right? Like every time like you, you kind of come up, sometimes it's like your own people that's kind of like bringing you down. And that plantation mentality and that colorism is a, you know, is, is a big thing that's dividing us. Uh, so, you know, we just got to keep working through it, bro. We got to keep the conversations going on uh, and make sure that, you know, we're, we're supporting each other no matter like what the you know what shade of black we are you know what i'm saying so i think you're onto a really great point bro and keep that keep that conversation going as well with your people i do it with mine 100 percent um well even with those first two questions i just feel like jesus we've gone so far with those first two questions <laughs> yeah bro we have we have we have these are these were very deep questions that you that you came up with, my guy. <laughs> Thank you. Like you could change the world with those two questions alone. It's just amazing. Um, okay, so another point on mental and slavery, you know, enslavement and slavery. Um as black people, like I said, we have gone through mental enslavement, um, whether that's worrying about uh, I know you mentioned before, you know, worrying about your family members who are younger, um, you know, going through the police system, things like that. What is something that has mentally enslaved you when it comes to being Black? Yeah, man. No, I, I actually, I really appreciate you asking that question, bro, because uh, I think and before I get to it, I think like one of the biggest things that we have to do like in our community and with each other is to like really be vulnerable because a lot of us like suffer in silence and like nobody ever knows that anything is even going on. Um, and, it's, and it's because like we've created or I wouldn't even say we've created it intentionally or even or by ourselves as society in general has done it. But like there's there's a, a atmosphere of just, you know, feeling bad about like expressing your emotions and expressing how you feel about things or you know talking about the things that you've experienced or gone through it's kind of like you get like a, a black x or you look weaker or and i just i just feel like you know you being able to be vulnerable and share a piece of yourself so other people can like learn with you and you know engage with you is something that's like super powerful and super uh and like you know encouraging so i appreciate you asking that question bro and i, I actually you know got a lot to think about on that because man I feel like I struggle with that myself right like uh like day to day 
just the small decisions I make, like, oh, you know, how big I'm going to dream. A lot of that comes from like a little bit of that mental enslavement. But if I had to pick, if I had to pick one thing, though, uh, you know, I would, I would say like the, the, the thing that's mentally enslaving me often is like a feeling of inadequacy, right? So like, you know, often I want to be perfect because I feel like if I'm anything less than perfect, then I'm inadequate. And I think that feeling of like chasing perfection kind of comes from uh, like society in general of just like, you know, there's no room for mistakes is kind of like what a lot of people kind of like go by and under and like, you know, live by, but that's wrong. Like there's so many, there's so much room for mistakes. The only thing though is when you're black or when you're in these, you know, uh, communities of color, a mistake that you make is often like, 10 to 100 times, you know, worse than a mistake that somebody that's white uh, makes, right? So, like, you think about uh, George Floyd, who uh, allegedly used a counterfeit $20 bill <laughs> at, at a gas station. He ended up losing his life that day, right? So, he essentially lost his life over $20. Um, so, like, that's something, that's something that I often think about, right, is, like, that feeling of being perfect and not being able to make mistakes. And that really comes from, like, we were mentioning before, like, slavery in the, like, that, that, that trauma, yo, like, that feeling of, like, hey, if I mess up, then it could be all over, right? Like, that kind of, like, gets at me. Um, and then I think, you know, that feeling of like not being good enough or, you know, having to like, re I'm often like in these spaces where there's <laughs> people that I think may be smarter than me or people, you know, um, are these white, like a lot of these spaces are just, I don't know. I just feel like I'm not good enough to be in these spaces sometimes. And then I got to like remind myself and like surround myself with my family and my friends who are like just bombing phenomenal. And like, that's why having a community to support you is so important, right? Because when I do feel those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings that I'm not good enough, like I can like go right there and talk to my fiance, you know, and she'll let me know like I'm super awesome, I'm super dope, <laughs> and then like keep going on. Yeah, you begin to doubt yourself a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like that self doubt is real, man, and that self doubt will stop you from doing so many things. It will like some like if you ever thought to yourself like, damn, why didn't I do that? Like, bro, it was probably like that self-doubt. You probably didn't think you were going to be able to accomplish it. Or you probably didn't think you were going to be able to actually do it. Uh, but you really could, bro. Like, shoot for the stars. And if you miss, at least you land amongst the moon. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's uh, you just got to go for it. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of like something that I, I've been living by because I know I do self-doubt myself. But I also know that, you know, if I just continue to chug, continue to go and just, you know, aim high, then I'll be good. And I, I think like something that's really helped me get past that is like my friends, my family, like I, I and my faith in God, like I literally would not be here where I am today if it was not for all of it, for, for that, uh, because of that self-doubt and, you know, knowing that I do have people that support me, knowing that I do have people that know that they really know in their heart, they believe it probably even more than me that you know I could be something so that's something that like keeps me going bro and to any like listeners to you Dylan like bro whatever you want to do bro you could do it like straight up straight up bro and like if you ever get those feelings of self-doubt 
hit up your mama, your dad, like whoever's around your friends, like let them give you some like words of affirmation. Like, bro, you are cool. You can hit me up. Like, cause you need that. And it's gonna, it's like gonna always be times where you're gonna have that self doubt. And it's just like, do you have the people around you and the systems around you to like get past it, bro? And I think, so I think that's something that's, you know, that's my mental enslavement that I'm often working through. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Like one thing that has 100% mentally enslaved me is, um, I guess kind of like the thought of kind of my safety as a black person who likes to advocate for, um, human rights, you know, think about Sandra Bland, MLK, and many others who have simply died for being an activist. And I want to do that, but, you know, the fear of being murdered, because of that, definitely weighs heavy on my heart every single day, deciding how can I do this in a way that's going to protect me. I want to fight for other lives, but don't want to risk mine at the same time. And it's sad that people want to, it's sad that people have a mindset of, oh, because you're fighting for what you believe in, I'm going to murder you for that. It's crazy. Like, it's a basic human nature to love and respect everyone. But a lot of people just are not educated enough, and they need that education. And that's why through these conversations, that's what we're trying to create. Right, right. Nah, man. You know, it's really... I'm really amazed that you've drawn that connection because the way you feel about MLK, I was like literally having that same kind of, I guess like, I don't know, little mini mental crisis when I first got this community organizing job because I recognize the power that I hold in being able to bring communities together and to like help them develop uh, and like being able to hold power, it, it gave me a little bit of fear, right? Like a lot of times we associate power with like negative things. So it gave me a little bit of fear. And like one of those negative things that I associated like having that power with was like the idea that, you know, people, people like, you know, Martin Luther King and Fred Hampton, you know, they were murdered, right? And then people like Asada Shakur, Angela Davis, they were put in prison on false charges and put in jail for like years in their life because of pretty much, you know, fighting for people's rights, fighting for our people's rights, human rights, basic human rights, the same way that, you know, you and I are yeah, pretty much like, fighting. Yeah, like John, John Lewis, um, who recently, unfortunately passed away, um, mm -hmm went to jail over 40 times in his entire life just simply for oh, fighting for people's rights yeah fighting for people's rights bro but honestly man when what kind of like gets me to work through that is a couple of things one is knowing that like you said bro the cause is real and the cause is true right and and everything that we're doing is really coming from a place of love Right. We love we love our people so much. We love hum humanity so much. We love the idea, maybe not America itself, but we love the idea of America so much 
that we're re- we're willing to fight for it, right? And like they always used to say back home, and I'm pretty sure they said it in in a lot of different places too, is uh, if you don't stand for something, then you'll fall for anything. And like this is that something that we're standing for, you know, and we're not gonna fall for anything less than that. So, you know, keep it going, bro. Keep it encouraged. Keep stay encouraged because I know I'm gonna try to do the same. And one day, bro, one day when we lead this earth. Like, it's going to be a legacy that's going to be left by, by you and me. It's going to be a legacy left. And that's that's kind of, like, what gets me through it. Absolutely. So, from my school experiences, slavery was rarely, rarely talked about. And when it was talked about, it was taught very, very poorly. Whether that's from black and white teachers, it just... The education on it was very, very bad. So my question to you is how can we enhance the education on slavery and allow black students to feel like they know about their history and that they know what slavery was so that they're not just, you know, not aware of what our ancestors went through? Because I feel like that's a very, that's a very important thing to know your ancestry and to know what happened in your past. Um... And so, I guess, like I said, how can we enhance our educational slavery? Man, that was something that I struggled with in my time as a teacher. So when I was a teacher, uh, for the last couple of years, I taught eighth grade social studies, which meant that I taught U.S. history. Everything from Christopher Columbus in 1492, when he sailed the ocean blue, to Reconstruction in 1877, after the Civil War. So... I taught a, like, I pretty much was teaching slavery throughout my whole course because, of course, you know, slaves, slaves got here, I think in 1618, and like the very first, uh, slaves got, they arrived in Virginia, 1618, the first, like, the, like the pilgrims got here, the, like the very first kind of like settlers from Europe, we gotta remember our indigenous folks were here before. So like, you know, Christopher Columbus didn't discover America and the white folks from Europe didn't, you know, weren't the first settlers here. But when, you know, Europeans got here, they got here in 1603. So it was like 15 years. (laughs) So like, I told my kids from the jump, I made that correlation, right? And I told them like, don't ever believe if anybody ever tells you that this country was not also built by black folks and this country does i feel as though this country belongs to black folks just as much as anybody else like we were literally here from the very beginning bro and i think that's like one of the things that we need to talk about when we when we teach u.s history and we teach slavery is that like it's not like slavery wasn't like a separate thing that happened in u.s history it wasn't like you know like u.s history happened and like uh like people were doing all of these like really cool things in America and like slavery was this thing that happened, right? Like no, like black people are are a part of American history. Like that is American history, right? So like, I think that's the kind of connection and the correlation that we have to make. We can't keep uh, whitewashing our history in America because so many people of color, so many black people have are are a part ingrained. Like America would not be here step by step without us. Um, so I think like that's one of the big parts. And and then as well, like I think we need to 
share more of like our stories from like black folks during that time period and from uh the folks that were enslaved in that time period and like make the connections from their stories and grounded in those stories the, the people that were affected the most and then like start talking about like the social and economic and political things that we want to learn from u.s history and like the you know little geographical things you know though i feel like all of those things should kind of be grounded in the actual stories of black folks and of slaves because once we like make that central and that the focal point mm -hmm. then you know you can start to our students can start to like make those connections as to how important you know black people were and, and slaves were uh to like the growth of of america man like Definitely. one big example i can think about is like the cotton gin <laughs> with eli whitney we always talk about like the the cotton boom being because of eli whitney and his invention of the cotton gin but like we often don't talk about the slave labor that went into like growing all of that cotton like it's a blurb it's, it's like quick so i think we need to ground it in the work the labor that you know enslaved people put in and say like oh you know eli whitney you know made the cotton gin help with production you know what i'm saying like i, I think we need credit yeah man give credit what credit is due eli whitney invented a machine enslaved people literally were the producers of this product and it's the same thing you see in capitalism right now like all of the all of the people that get the credit for like the these big companies being billionaires and trillionaires the, the people that get credit for like making that happen are ceos and like the board of these companies or the quote-unquote shareholders like they are ones that get the, the credit and i.e the money from all of these things but like it's the people that's doing the work <laughs> it's like these are the people that need to be getting credit these are the people that need to be getting compensated and i feel like if you take that kind of energy and put it into social studies then we're good bro so, so I had a little rant on that one. I definitely had a take. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, with you being a teacher, that's really dope that you actually have that mindset. Um, and then one last question, which is probably one of the best questions um, that I have, is what can we or what can America do to honor our ancestors and allow our Black kings and queens to feel loved and appreciated? Um, in this country, whether that's through reparations, whether that's through monuments, whether that's through anything, just support. Yeah, man, I think the first thing is like kind of like what you said, man, reparations. And like, we need to have a conversation about what reparations looks like. We do. And I think as a big a big thing that i i believe in you know the community organizing work that i do is that like where you spend your money shows where your priorities are so if we're going to prioritize like racial justice and equity and equality in america then like our local budgets our like our united states budget that gets passed by congress it needs to reflect that and i think like a big way that it can reflect it easily is by making sure that every single student can go to a good school, like a school that isn't like, has classes packed 30 and 40 to a room, like a school that has adequate technology, a school that has ample opportunity and really awesome teachers that aren't overworked. I think that's one way to do it. We need to make sure that our like 
our our folks that are working these low wage jobs, but they want to get out, but they like have no resources or, or way to do that. Like we need to provide opportunity for folks, bro. So um, I I think we need to we need to follow the money. I think that's one big way how America can kind of like reconcile a lot that has happened because all of these billionaires they would not have the amount of money that they do now if it wasn't for the work that our people did. Mm-hmm. since 1618 in America and I also think they I also think <laughs> I hate to make this analogy but uh kind of like Hamilton wrote like our stories need to get told and they need to get told from a perspective that is true that is honest and that you know shows everybody that you know black people are very resilient and bring something to this country that literally nobody else can and you need to recognize that and i think that's 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 like a big thing that needs to happen and once our our black kings and queens start to see us represented in ways that we should be that we actually are because bro hollywood media books they make up so many stories about us and like we we often feed into it because that's the that's how we're getting our information but like everyday day-to-day black people are you know way more common than most people most people would think or believe because they're only getting things from like the media and you know so i think that's a big thing that needs to that needs to happen as well as like our stories need to be told monuments i love your monument idea who would be the first person that you would want to have a monument built for i have to have one for harriet tubman you have to Harriet, <laughs> we gotta get a national Harriet Tubman monument, baby. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> and then, and then you think about America and how, going back to how everything is whitewashed. Um, France Statue of Liberty actually originally was going to gift a slave woman, um, um the Statue of Liberty, um, to you know, remember slavery and you know, you know, appreciate them. Um, and then you think about it, and America rejected it, and so they gave them a different, and recommended a different gift, which was the national, the Statue of Liberty that we have now. And it's like, you guys, you know, you have to remember this, and you have to bring up this topic because that's the only way that the things are going to change is if we bring it up. Real, real. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Thank you for for enlightening me on that, big dog. Yeah, so this conversation was really, really, really good. Um, and yeah. I'm, and I'm hey, excited. before we get off, can I do a couple of shout outs? <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. So first of all, shout out to my fiance, Ashley. Can't wait to marry her. Uh, second of all, shout out to all, to my mama. Uh, wouldn't be here without her. I'm a big mama's boy, by the way. Um, shout out to my my friends, my my big brothers, like my my guys, like they're, they're my support systems for sure. Shout out to God, wouldn't be here without them. Uh, and definitely shout out to St. John the Baptist Parish, Laplace, Louisiana Hilltop, um, back where I'm from, because I wouldn't be me if it wasn't for the community that I grew up in. So that's my last spiel. <laughs> Um, and one last thing, this episode will be airing on August 23rd, National Slave Trade Day, which is a day to remember um, 
the slave trade and the horrible um, events of that. Um, Ashton, I want to thank you for coming on today and to talk about and bring light to these issues. Man, you are very welcome, dude. Thank you so much for having me on, man. This is like a really awesome conversation. My heart is so full right now. Uh, and, and keep keep doing what you're doing, bro. Like the activism that you want to do, you're already doing it. And uh, like the sky's the, the sky's the beginning for you. That's not even the limit. So it's, it's only it's so far you can go, bro. So I appreciate you, dog. Thank you. Well. Um... I guess this is the end. I really, really did appreciate um, the conversation we had. And I feel like with this conversation, we can go places and create change and forever make a lasting effect on history as a whole. Um, um, make sure you guys go follow Basically Bias Pod on Instagram. Um, that's the social media to keep up with all everything. And then you can see when we post our next podcast there um we'll have a new episode next week thanks everyone for joining you know once again thank you ashton um and have a great day what's up beautiful people my name is jones granton and thank you for tuning in to the basically rise podcast I 100% enjoyed today's episode. Hope you guys did too. Stay tuned next week for another amazing episode of Basically Bias. Bye, guys.